and welcome back to your favorite podcast. Except for that one guy who hates this podcast. There are two of them now, and they both suck. I'm convinced it's the same person. He has two personalities, and they're both dicks. Well, he's so dedicated to hating my gut specifically <laughs> that true. he created an extra account has, to make it seem like they're he has a whole other personality us. just to hate you. Oh, anyway, God. the show everybody hates, uh, or actually just those two people hate. Uh, welcome back to Hindsight is Horrifying. I am one of your hosts, Jason Mitchell, and I'm here with my co-host, Darth Jader. And we are continuing our December-ish, Christmas-ish movie spectacular. La, 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 this la, is la, like la. the third one? No, this <laughs> is the second one. Oh, I thought this is... Oh. We've only done one holiday movie so far. No, we haven't. We did Die Hard. That's what I'm saying. That's the and one... And a Christmas story. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Wait, wait. Wait, where is it? Where is that? Wah, wah, there it is. I don't keep up with this damn podcast. Are you kidding me? All I do is write the show notes. But tonight we are uh, we're doing a uh, movie that's in the same vein as Die Hard. Um, <laughs> it has sim- similar themes, I think. Uh, you know, one man trapped, battling against overwhelming odds, that sort of thing. He's in he's in a mountain instead of a tower, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's basically they're, yeah. They're essentially shot for shot the exact same movie. Yes, we are of course doing Rhinestone with uh, <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> Sylvester <up>, Stallone. <laughs> uh, we're doing How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Ron. I see, I got Howard. all these Rhinestone notes, and now I got to throw them in the garbage. Well, it, they'll probably correlate a little bit, to be okay. perfectly honest. Right. So I think you can cheat off of those. But yeah, so we're doing How the Grinch Stole Christmas from 2000, one of the uh, few recent movies we've been doing lately, alongside Jeepers Creepers and uh, some other movie from a few years ago. Wait a minute, wait. What year was this made? 2000. 2000. And we so, and you so call for that us, that's recent? Rel- for us and our purposes, yes, that's relatively recent. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Because we talk about movies from our childhoods. Next year. Do the wah-wah noise. <laughs> ne- ne- next, next year, the year 2000, will be 20 years ago. Oh, God. Remember when the year 2000 was so far away? Now it's so 2000 and late. Yeah. Anyway, um, so listeners, we have a very special guest. You don't know her yet. She is brand new to the studio, and we are psyched to have her here to discuss this Jim Carrey classic. My good friend Allie is in the studio. Allie, how about you say hi? to the listeners hey everybody welcome welcome oh gotta love that applause they're (laughs) they're excited to have you here um so kicking it right off uh this movie took a bit of a a bit of a spin uh and some license on how the grinch stole christmas which we are all used to the classic what 30 minute version that comes on television every year and this movie is damn near two hours long, so they definitely padded it with some backstory and whatnot. So, Allie, what made you pick this particular Christmas movie to discuss? I mean, clearly it's a cinematic masterpiece full of incredible acting and some wonderful costumes. But well, we're, doing, we're just... doing the Grinch, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the makeup is way better than it was on Halloween Town. That's all I can tell you. Well, Halloween Town was garbage. <laughs> We're never letting that go. Horrible piece of crap. (laughs) Well, and Halloween Town didn't have nearly the budget that this movie did. This movie, yeah, this is a Ron Howard, Brian Glazer. Yeah, Brian Glazer, Anthony Hopkins, Jim Carrey, uh, right out of the starting gate, four huge heavy hitters. So of course, it's going to attract a lot of you know good Hollywood money. Yeah. Well, and it's it it, it was a movie that, in a way, is surprising that it took so long for it to occur because. You know, Dr. Seuss has been had been so popular for so many years, but as far as live action things go, there were really there was no real. I think there was like one attempt to do a live action in the seventies or something. Not of this, 
right. but but of uh, a different Dr. Seuss picture. But I think that uh, it, it was kind of surprising. It took this long for there to be a live action Grinch. Yeah, even if it wasn't as high quality as this one, because yeah. yeah, the like the makeup, this just the whole effect of the world is so realistic. It's it's really beautifully done, to be perfectly honest. Even though it's technically a kid's story. Yeah, well, it it's a kid's story with a lot of grown up themes in it. Well, grown up uh, jokes. We never talk about stuff like that. Yeah. What oh are you yeah. Yeah. About? Oh yeah. Isn't that sort of like what we're? That's like the. Isn't whole that idea like our whole show? Oh yeah. I don't know. I I just thought we talked that's about so movies. That's so beginning of 2019. <laughs> I thought this was the David Carradine <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm, I need to go. Well, no, but the budget was insanely high. It was 123 million U.S. dollars. That is a lot of green to yeah. make a movie about a man that's green. The yeah. Grinch. I'm pretty sure also uh, that uh, God, I'm pretty sure Dr. Seuss's uh, estate didn't want didn't want the movie to get made because uh, I'm pretty sure Dr. Seuss like they his estate valued the cartoon so much so they didn't want to dilute to, the right brand, and then it sorta. took after he passed away it was his wife I believe that allowed them to make this movie which is partially why it took so long. Well, and Funny we all know like that works. <laughs> well, and we all know uh, Mike Myers actually ruined that for everyone. <laughs> Cat in the Hat is the reason why they don't oh, make any more of these God. live action. I forgot about Cat. In I the know hat. you had murdered that and buried it in the backyard. Oh hadn't my you? God! Yeah, the part of my brain that had that recorded just yep. just died. It withered away. And you're and, welcome. Yeah. Self preservation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never saw that movie, but it, God damn it, the, Mike Myers, what happened to you? Seriously, man, you just went off the damn rails. But yeah, that's the reason why they uh, won't release the rights to any more of these Sioux stories to be made into live action movies because apparently Cat in the Hat was just an abomination <laughs> unleashed on the world. Well, you know, it, they they were smart enough to do a picture. You know, first of all, Ron Howard is a known quantity. Right. I mean, even his bad movies are pretty good. Right. You know, um, Jim Carrey, you know, love him or hate him. And I, 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 I tend to fall sort of in the middle. I know middle. you're kind of on the fence when it comes you to know, Jim Carrey. There, I think Jim Carrey's an incredibly talented actor. Um, he's He's got the ability to do things that very few actors can do. Right. And not just the hammy stuff. No, you know, he's an yeah. incredible, like, he's great at drama, he's great at thrillers, like, yeah. he's, he can do it all. Oh, yeah, there's the whole Man on the Moon, com, uh, you know, And thing. that's one yeah, of his it's, best movies it's, ever. It's an incredible feat of acting, which, actually, when he was cast in this, I believe the story is that uh, they, somebody from the production went to the set of Man on the Moon to sort of see, you know, hey, how will Jim Carrey be as a Grinch. Oh no, because he went so, so well, method for Man on the he, Moon. Oh, he, God. Was, he was so deep in character that he had to do an impression of Jim Carrey playing the Grinch. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Man on the Moon, that's a movie where Jim Carrey plays Andy Kaufman from yeah. Taxi and several other you know, other yeah. things that made him famous. But uh, Jim Carrey literally just channeled Andy Kaufman so hard. It was like he was possessed by Andy Kaufman. If you hear him tell about it on it, I think it's on Netflix that you yeah. can watch that special. Yeah. But yeah, to, to the, the point to the where point, Andy Kaufman's family yeah. wanted to meet him so that they could feel like they were talking to yeah. Andy again. It was and very they, and, intense. And they said that they felt like they were talking to Andy again. And that's how exactly the Grinch's relatives actually uh, wanted to meet him in this. <laughs> and they said that it was, it was like being there with the Grinch, who of course died uh, in, in, during the Second World War. Um, well, you know, his, one of his adopted mothers in this movie is Frau Farbissena. That's from, true. That's right. Uh, Min, uh, from, uh, Mindy, Mindy Sterling. Yes, yeah. Mindy Sterling. 
but yeah, did you guys know? Guess who else was considered to play the Grinch before they finally oh, cast Jim Carrey? I, they they all they always do these lists on on IMDb where it's like you know Al Pacino. And, now it's like, are you, you know, guys just making a dead this raccoon and <laughs> a, a piece of toast? <laughs> yeah, they always do these stupid. All the people that were considered. But no, who, who were you talking about? Evidently, it was Eddie Murphy uh, or Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that's what my yeah, that's what this I, article I, says. I would watch. It would I would just, watch the hell out of that. It would have just been the me? Joker, though. Probably. It would have straight up been the Joker from from the uh, Tim Burton Batman. I think that would be excellent, especially in like the the sticky like little silly cars that they drive around Whoville and stuff. It's just, it's yeah, it's perfect. It's just like Tim Burton land. But here here's my question for our guest, which mm. is why why this movie? Because you know our guests, we we're very generous. And we allow our guests, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> you know to our own detriment. Yeah, the emotional scar. I'm still paying for therapy, so yeah, from oh. some movies. <laughs> yeah, Halloween Town. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not, Michelle. We love you, but continue with your question, please. No, why? Why this movie, as opposed to the you know litany of Christmas and holiday movies that are out there? Well, was this or Home Alone? And I'm pretty sure that Home Alone was already taken. It was. Yes. So. I'm just a sucker for cheesy movies. I'm the person that will <laughs> cry at a Hallmark Christmas movie, even though they have the same plot yeah. all the time and the same actors all the time. But isn't that wonderful about movies, though, that they can do that to you? You sure. know, I mean, it, it, it is, um, you know. The, um, well, there's a study about that. I see you humming and hawing, hawing over there, so I'll let you get your you. thought together. But there's a study about how people gravitate toward the familiar like uh, how you'll see jokes on the internet all the time of, oh, I could search for something new to watch on Netflix, but I think I'll watch The Office for the 17th time. Yeah. Like uh, there's a familiarity a to it. Thing. And you, yeah, yeah it's comforting yeah. to know the characters and know the story. There, There's there's a psychological risk involved in watching something new. And oh boy, is it, there. And it's not, it's not so much that there's a risk, but there's energy that you have to expend to watch something new, which is why at night when you finally sit down, mm-hmm. you just want to watch something you've seen already. I know I like it. I don't need to. Oh God, I'm old. Well, also, if you're gonna watch something new, you have to put your phone down. Yes, yes, and you have to pay attention. So there's that problem as yeah. well. No, but I think you know, I I like the idea that movies uh, can do that to you. That's like with uh, Scorsese. Uh, you know, he he had the uh, there was the infamous dust up now where he referred to the Marvel movies as not cinema. And yeah, I, people I, are and freaking out about that. Which, God. if for God's sakes, if you just think about it, he's completely correct. You know, but they're he du- a ride. <laughs> yeah, but he doubled down on that a little bit. He wrote a, a something. I think it was in the New York Times. I read it today, where he sort of explained that, and it and it basically just yeah. Look, this even the Grinch is more cinema than the Marvel movies. Well, especially because they added some substance to it. And like I said, yeah. the original version, I was close. It was about twenty six minutes long, and I everybody's familiar with that story. It and it mostly just circles around the Grinch physically stealing Christmas from the Who's, but with this 2000 version, you get the backstory of the Grinch, like how he came to Whoville, the stork dropped him off, and he wound up with two adopted mothers who, Jason, I don't know if you noticed this, when they're talking about the Grinch and how he appeared, uh, oh, the stork is left him on our doorstep, but he landed in a tree Mm-hmm. Uh, the night that his adopted mothers were having a party, and you oh, see yeah, everyone the, yeah. throwing keys into a party. bowl. Yeah, I, I was I had never noticed that before, and I was I, like, I don't think millennials God. get that joke. I think that also the better one that you pass over is when they were talking about the babies coming down, and the mm-hmm. other baby comes first, lands on the doorstep, they open the door, and they go, 
honey, our baby's here, and he looks like your boss. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have some. They have yeah. some grown-up fare in this movie. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. No, the uh, the actor who played the young Grinch, I didn't know this, but uh, he. This was his first role, and I was like, "Oh, I've never heard of this actor before." He died at like twenty. Oh, I yeah, didn't it's know like that. really sad. Oh, that's a yeah, sad, that is heartbreaking. Um, but uh, no, but yeah, the grown-up humor. Apparently, there was a lot more that was cut. I and, can imagine. And Jim Carrey actually wanted more of it to be cut. Like he actually sort of felt like. You know, he had gone a little too far. Oh, really? Grown-up jokes. Which with him, that's not an impression that you get with him with most of his humor, like in Ace Ventura and The Mask. He's, you know, he's dirtier than he was in this movie, but this is a a children's story. Yeah, so I can see wanting to maintain a certain level of innocence to the character. Although apparently it has moved up in the age groups on uh, iTunes. Like when it premiered on iTunes, Mm -hmm. it was was in like the really young category and they've, they've slowly moved it up. Uh, in age recommendations. Oh, really? Yeah, supposedly it's like you know they people more people are starting to realize you know oh yeah there's actual jokes in here. Yeah, for for sure. And yeah. it and plus like it, it's going to attract a lot of adults anyway. Just not only for the humor, but for it's relatively star studded. And yeah. that includes you know you've got Jeffrey Tambor as the mayor of the city. Yeah, and that's awesome. Yeah, with that crazy uh, hoodoo that he's got going on with his curly hair. Yeah, Oscar Bluth, uh, Christine Baranski, uh, Martha May Houvier from The Birdcage, and many other projects like Chicago. You got Molly Shannon, Mindy Sterling, oh, yeah. who we she, already yeah, mentioned. Yeah, she, she's been in many, many things. Oh yeah, and then of course Clint and Rance Howard. Yeah, Ron's brother and dad. Uh, yeah, and I think isn't his. Doesn't his kid even have a little cameo in it somewhere? I honestly I, have no idea. I, have I, I thought he, I, I might be wrong on that. But yeah, yeah, the, his dad plays the timekeeper. Yes, I think yeah. so. You're also forgetting the that Cindy Lou who grew up to be the girl from Gossip Girl. Yeah. Who, uh, I've never watched ta- that show. Ta- uh, Taylor Momsen. Yeah, so she was in, she grew up, she was in Gossip Girl as little Jenny Humphrey. And then she grew up from there and... You know, a rock star. Yeah, oh, now, wow. now, now she's skanky. <laughs> <laughs> she wears what... a lot of badass eyeliner, Morty. She's a yeah. magician. Yeah. <laughs> she's one of those people, she's from a generation that like looks to Avril Lavigne as like a wise elder, and that just doesn't... <laughs> and <laughs> Avril Lavigne is married to Chad Kroger of Nickelback, so... Oh, oh, real? Oh, that bro- no. that power couple broke <laughs> up. First, it was the dude from was it Simple Plan? I have no idea. It was another one of those. <laughs> You're like, asking me punk- to answer questions about a person I do not care about. It's all clicks and whistles. It was another like punk pop emo group from the like '90s, early 2000s, and then she went moved on to bigger and better things like Nickelback. And- <laughs> She's climbing that social it, it, it's, step it's a, ladder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Nickelback is a band that anytime something is from Canada and you want to say that it's bad, you just call it, oh, that's the Nickelback of, of some, yeah. Some, fill in the blank here. Yeah, there, there's an airplane that I have to fly on a lot because one of the routes I fly, it's, that's the only plane that services it. And, and the there's, plane, there's no one here at the airport. <laughs> yeah, that, well, the, the, the plane is literally known uh, in aviation circles as the Nickelback of the skies. Oh, Jesus. It's, it's a horrible <laughs> Canadian airplane. Oh, my. <laughs> See, and I used to enjoy Nickelback when I was younger, and I got brutally made fun of to the point where I just don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> Sometimes peer pressure is a good thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, evidently. It shapes you into being a better person. But, yeah, so... What is this movie about? 
It's like saying that like no one knows. I mean, come on. Like, you don't know what the Grinch is <laughs> but we, about. But we, we were supposed to say what it's about. You know, it's like saying, what's the Bible about? Yeah. Who's, there who like is a... this Jesus fellow? <laughs> Allie, you want to fill us in on what this movie's about? Well, as a Jew, I never read the Bible, so I'm jumping on that. I'm, well, I'm, we're guessing on that one. I bet but, you, but I bet you know the story. I, generally. <laughs> the, the, overall I know the overall story. story. Yeah. But this story, you've got all of the who's and who's. The best part was Christmas. when he had to spin the earth backwards to bring Shut Lois Lane back. <laughs> <laughs> I, a lot of people hated that. I thought it was cool. <clears throat> <laughs> Anyhow, <Yeah>. Miss Allie. <laughs> You've got all of the who's down in Whoville love Christmas a lot, but there is one who who does not. Yep. And that is the Grinch. And he tries to steal Christmas, and then he is inspired of Christmas magic by a little who girl. And, and his he, heart, his heart grows his heart three grows. sizes. Yeah. Three sizes. Yep. Which he, would kill a normal man. Well, he's not a man. He's a you who. Know. No, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. I mean, if my heart grew three sizes, it, it, it would be horrible. You'd die right here in the studio. <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in terrible agony. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Grinch, like I said, they offer a lot more backstory to him than they than in the original cartoon. Like, uh, he lives up on the mountain, isolated from all the other who's. Oddly enough, with his dog, Max, <laughs> and who I believe was a rescue. Uh, I think they rescued this dog and made him into a stunt doggy so he could be in movies. Really? That's, I think so. Aw, that's nice. My my real question is, so you get the backstory, you see him when he's in school, and he's wearing his little school uniform, and he yeah. gets his heart broken. He's dressed like Angus Young. Yes, and then he goes <laughs> yes. he goes up to them, he gets his heart broken, he climbs the mountain to pout and have his little emo moment. Yeah, he moves, he goes, he moves out on his own when he's eight years old. My, my question is, he goes up there wearing a school uniform, and then they cut to the present, and he's not wearing clothing he, so i would like to know what <laughs> happened in the grinch's lifespan where he just decides oh that come he's on just not you don't want to make it around that, your house sometimes that, no that, that that would be that would be the scene that i want to see where he finally just he casts off all of his clothes and throws them in the fire he goes full like, buffalo bill <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that would really raise the age <laughs> limit mm-hmm yeah, I, w- I would pay real money to see Jim Carrey say push the puts the lotion in the basket oh, while, holy while, while dressed in the uh, the Grinch uh, costume, which we should probably talk about the costume. Yes, uh, I the of star course, of the movie. Yeah, I of course have that in my extensive notes and research. Uh, yeah, so the costume took a lot of dedication. Apparently, uh, Jim Carrey, you know, it's a very recognizable look as the green meanie Grinch, and uh, the costume was actually made predominantly from yak hair which had to be dyed green for the costume, obviously. Uh, and Carrie spent like a grand total of 92 days wearing the costume, and each day it took him about three hours to get into it. Well, so, it's two hours to get in, one hour to get out. Oh, okay. That, my notes yeah. say to put it on. So I, uh, I bet on the last day it took less than an hour to get out. Oh, just like rip, <laughs> rip it off Superman style and just run away Son naked. Son of a bitch, God. <laughs> well, apparently Jim Carrey got kind of irritated one day because Ron Howard uh, pulled a prank on him. You know what I'm talking about, Allie? You want to tell us the story? So apparently he got annoyed because Ron Howard put on the full Grinch ensemble and was directing that day in that outfit. And he thought that he was his stand-in or a stunt, stunt, double, stunt or double or something. And he got really annoyed because he's like, he looks nothing like me. He's terrible. And Ron Howard was like, it's just me. Calm down. But the other thing I thought was interesting was he hated the costume and the makeup so much that he had to actually undergo training from the military yep on torture to so he could be calm enough while they put it on him which i thought was really interesting i mm-hmm. I, I could see that because i mean um i i've known people who've done the um they've they've sat for the full 
mask thing where they, you know, they put the latex on you and they put the straws up your nose. Oh yeah. And then they cover you. And it's the, the two people I know have done that have said it, it's at first you're like, Oh, what's the big deal? This is nothing. And then it kind of gets annoying. And then the annoying goes away. And then there's this like feeling of terror it's like being waterboarded in a yeah, way. Yeah, they like, just like all of a sudden, like you know you're fine. You, you know nothing bad is going to happen to you, but you just all of a sudden have this I'm buried alive feeling. Well, yeah, your visceral yeah. reaction to it, it, your brain is trying to tell the rest of you to calm down, but your also, central nervous system <clears throat> is losing its mind. Also, Michael Dorn says that uh, Jim Carrey can suck it because he had to do this every day for five for seven years on star trek the next generation oh, yeah, that's true <laughs> you know? well and i've told this story i think on a previous episode but when they remade planet of the apes with marky mark um and he no he came in and did like just a funny bit on like the mtv movie awards or something where uh he came in while the other people were being dressed up like gorillas which took sometimes like eight hours at a time to do the costume and, and just mess with they him. throw a little pancake on Marky Mark and he's like, thanks guys. Try not to take so long next time. And yeah. then he just leaves and the rest of the people are just shooting daggers at him with their eyes. Well, I mean, imagine if you're on a TV show, especially where it's like you show up every day at five in the morning and sit yeah. in a chair for three hours and you're, you're nobody else has to show up to work. Your show up at like 10. Yeah. It's, you it, know, it, oh well, man, oh, rough day. Let's make some magic. Well, and the crazy part about that is that the Grinch wasn't even originally green. Right, they made yeah. him green for the animated classic that we all know and love, but yeah. he was originally uh, black and white with pink eyes. Yeah. So this could have been a lot more simple, <laughs> evidently. Well, y- yeah, they could have done it all Schindler's List and done it black and white, and you know, then at the end they could have gone to color. What, but it wasn't just Jim Carrey either, though. Uh, apparently, not since uh, the Wizard of Oz came out have oh, so there are many. The keys. Yeah, the key party and the baby's just freezing to death outside yeah. in a tree. The Grinch. <laughs> no wonder he's so angry at Christmas. He, he flies in on Christmas yeah. Eve and then gets left out of the cold for the night. But uh, apparently this movie kind of set a record because not since The Wizard of Oz have so many background actors had such thorough heavy makeup on them. Yeah, and I, I, I saw that and I was trying to think because my first reaction was, well, that can't be right. Not since The Wizard of Oz. And I can't think of anything else that has had anything near. Right. You know, it's just not as intense. Usually it's just a, a quick ensemble of people. But this movie did have uh, fewer horses covered in jello. That's true. So. Um, the Wizard of Oz had one, which is still the world yes, record. That's the, the world record. Because <laughs> that's how they died in the different colors. They colored them with jello, like Lorelai with tea with her Santa beards on Gilmore Girls. I know Allie was thinking about that. I was also thinking about. Um, the less singing in this movie because we only have that one mm-hmm. borderline terrible song from Cindy Lou early in the movie. But other than that, thankfully, it's not a musical. Well, then Faith Hill came in and actually did the song herself. No, Mariah <laughs> Carey the came queen in. Of, the queen of all things Christmas. She wrote it. No, I'm talking about singing it. Yeah, I know, but Mariah Carey wrote that song. I was unaware of that. Yeah, so I don't know if that makes it better for some people that makes it amazing some uh, people yeah, it's like eh, yeah. if, you, if you love mariah Carey, she's some people's like bet midler like that she's such an incredibly <laughs> talented singer so some people just love her but she's gone yeah. crazy in the last couple of years she's she's gone a little nutty from what i can tell not yeah. quite britney 2007 but something near it no no not no i don't think everybody's gonna anyone's gonna get back to the britney stage no. as far as public madness no. goes amanda Bynes tried yeah true that's true Katy Perry, I think, has it in her. I think she could do it. 
but you know we'll, we'll, we're we're going to wait and see. I think Hollywood <laughs> and fame in general. If you're if you're a big wig of any kind, you've got that potential. It's like how every man is capable of murder. Every Hollywood starlet and diva is capable of going completely batshit. Yeah, I mean Katy Perry is not going to you know shave her head and go into a mental asylum or anything like that well but, she already married but, russell brand that's her craziness yeah for that like actually is true yeah, yeah. that might she's that, all set. that might be yeah well she married russell brand and then it was so bad she decided to to start looking like a an extra from a east berlin from the lesbian vampire movie <laughs> that's oddly specific yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm not the first person to make that comparison. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. My mind is blown. I'm impressed by the specificity of that insult. But, um, yeah, so the Grinch, you got to love it because you are you are going back to his little backstory right now where he's in school and he, lo- he falls in love with Martha May. That's his little crush in school. And there's just bad blood between the Grinch and the, the future mayor from childhood because uh, Augustus is going out with Martha May when they're single digits in elementary school, but the Grinch has a crush on her and he goes home and destroys like all of his family heirlooms, the most expensive items in the house to make her a Christmas angel. And the kids make fun of him for being hairy and stuff. So he shaves his face, but he gets little cuts on his face cause he doesn't know what he's doing. Then all the kids laugh at him and that's his big tragic backstory. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, no, I, <laughs> that's, I will that's kill everyone. It yeah. It's, <laughs> It's you know that's yeah, just Frankenstein's monster origin. Yeah, I mean you know the Who's kind of made their own monster. Yeah, they did. You they know, made really, him a monster, yeah. and then they they blamed him for it. Yeah, I mean they had a chance and they blew it. This is basically just a Christmas anti-bullying PSA. It really is. <laughs> it really is. But it's the it's the kind of PSA that's the honest anti-bullying one because you know normally it's like don't bully. It's it's bad and wrong. It should be don't bully. The guy might come back and kill you one day. Yeah, or at least burn down your Christmas tree. Yeah. When he turns into uh, <laughs> Billy Madison, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the Grinch turns into a living legend because in the beginning of the movie, you see—I uh, don't remember the dad's name, but he's the uh, the the postman, Cindy Lou's dad. Um, his older son and some girls are sneaking up the mountain to, oh, you're too chicken to go up to the Grinch's door, and the Grinch has this little like monstrous head that's yeah. Ten times the size of his that he straps onto Max and Max barks in a megaphone to scare people off with it. It's just like a little puppet. Yeah. But he's just living lore and he's living in solitude in his little mountain cave. Hey, look, he did okay for himself. He got some great real estate. I was about to say, his yeah. his house is bigger than mine. So uh, I'd say he accomplished a lot, despite the fact that he struck out on his own at eight years old. Yeah. It's impressive. You know, he decided, now to hell with it. I'm done with clothes and I'm buying myself a mountain. I can totally sympathize with that. <laughs> If I had my druthers, that's exactly what I would do. I just, I'd have a mountain, and I'd just be up there naked all day, and, 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 compla- and, and complaining about all the people. <laughs> so, so the older I get, the more I relate to the Grinch, <laughs> yeah. and the I want to be left alone with my dog. And yes, have, I have plans with myself. Yes, and don't feel I like can't so cancel that again. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's sort of like the first time in your life when the doorbell rings on Halloween and you get pissed, you get maybe not pissed, but you get a little annoyed and you realize, "Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing uh, this for the yeah, rest of the night. I, 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 I'm old now. <laughs> you know, you're not running to the door. Oh, here's candy. Well, see, this was my first year in my brand new house. So I was actually excited to hand out candy to all the children. So I guess that'll change as the years progress. I'm imagining the Terminator music while the Grinch climbs the mountain. It's not the first time you've no incorporated. There's no fate but what you make. Oh, Lordy. We've gone full action hero. 
<laughs> Roland Emmerich's The Grinch. Well, and we got to touch on Cindy Lou a little bit too, because even her backstory is phrasing. <laughs> phrasing first, boom. Damn, Jeffrey Epstein. We've got to touch on the Cindy Lou story for a second, hindsighters, because Jason's a tool. I'm anyway, just saying, man, damn, man. you guys just. I, I anyway. went to high school with a guy like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to touch on her story for a second. Just keep saying it. Keep I will until you let me get the damn sentence out. But uh, Cindy Lou has more of a backstory as well because she's having this like existential crisis and she's, what, five years old? And she's trying to find... She's Charlie Browning it. She's trying to find the true meaning of yeah. Christmas. And she doesn't understand all the commercialism associated with the holiday. She's kind of ashamed of her parents for really buying into all of the commercialism and like you said Allie she's got that horrible song of where are you Christmas and yeah I I didn't care for that well because somebody (laughs) at the studio went we gotta have a song yeah gotta put a song the kids won't see it if there's not a song there already is a song the the classic Mr. Grinch song which was originally sung by the voice of Tony Tony the Tiger Tiger. Yep. yep may he rest in peace with his frosted flakes (laughs) (laughs) is that on his tombstone well, <laughs> tombstone moments does it say they're great on his tombstone i i hope so if i would fund that also on that same tombstone note he also did the voice of the grim grinning ghosts at disney oh. world at the Haunted Mansion. Oh. So I was unaware of that. Yeah, so his same guy. That's Wait, yeah, yeah. He did all of that, so he is on a tombstone because I think they put true. his face on one in the ride. Grim, grinning ghost, come up to you, sir. Yeah. Same dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as everybody who watches or who listens to the show now is a big Disney family, so. No, you don't like Disney. What are you talking about? You've never mentioned Disney on this mm-hmm. show before. Yeah, here we are. You see, and this is what I really appreciate about the makeup artists. It's like after a while, they just said, screw it and started putting random things on top of people's heads like porridge bowls and or punch bowls. And and people are literally just walking around with like teacups and stuff woven into their wigs. It's insanity. And I don't remember any of the who's looking like this in the animated. See, if, if this was a David Lynch movie, every single one of those would be motivated. There'd be a story <laughs> behind every single thing on everybody's head. He, oh, hell he'd yeah. know. He would know what it was. He would have invented the universe, like J.K. Rowling style, where <laughs> he knows everybody's story. Uh, or he would have just said, fuck it, put a teapot on it. <laughs> one way or the other. But here we get our first big Jeffrey Tambor speech, the Mayor Augustus of Whoville, which I had forgotten until I rewatched this movie that Whoville, Whoville is on a snowflake. I, I had not paid attention to that for some reason, and I was a little surprised. So I was, I was like, wait a minute, are these the who's that Horton hears, or are those different who's? I think that that's an important question. <laughs> I, I want to delve into it. <laughs> the ones Horton hears live on a pollen speck, and these are in a snowflake. So these are like they're, uh, those are like the snowbirds of the. Oh, who's. I got you. So that's like Florida. Yeah, for who's. exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, and Jim Carrey's <laughs> so Horton as well, so it all ties yeah. together. So it's the same as the snowflake, but with more meth. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Bye, Florida. I love that fan theory. It's a man that had his tonsils removed twice. And there, uh, oh, there we see Clint Howard. He's the sort of bungling assistant to the mayor. Ah, uh, great old Clint Howard. It's the ice cream man. The ice cream man? Yeah, you've you never seen that movie? No. Look it up. Oh, God. I'm, just, I'm afraid to. But yeah, you even have Cindy Lou, so she's kind of standing up 
amongst her fellow citizens and she's like, guys, shouldn't, you know, let's, let's be kind to the Grinch. And she's sort of throwing out the playbook of them hating him all the time. And she, she, what is it that she wants him, um, named holiday cheermeister, right? Right. Okay. Where he basically puts on a, a Mr. Rogers style sweater that lights up, that lights up and and it's it's force fed fudge and and pudding like they've had several cooking contests of some sort and then bounced in a chair which just seems like a disaster waiting to happen yeah yeah no let's let's fill her with fudge and bounce her up and down what could go wrong i know red and green are the colors but i don't think they meant green as in (laughs) yeah yeah. eat a bunch of fudge cake or (laughs) uh what's like a fruit cake and then get bounced around so the who's have uh an interesting society I, i can't quite figure out how their economy works um it's a tad unrealistic. Oh. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that. I, I think that there is a, you know, a little bit of a disconnect. I don't think it would it would work in reality, but you know, I'm willing to suspend disbelief. Well, you see all those presents in Cindy Lou's hands, and you're like on a postman's salary, and it yeah. looks like her mom's a stay at home <laughs> yeah. mom. What kind of money is the post office making? Jeez. Yeah. I wonder what kid, you know, and uh, what sort of presents do the Who's want? You know? Oh, he actually lists them. I didn't write them down, but it was all very Susian sounding, no, like a yeah, horn flugel and a, <laughs> like just really made up weird words. So my question is also if they're inside of a snowflake and they have a postman, what is the shipping like to what the other side oh, of the got, snowflake it, or do they ship to other snowflakes? Either way, it probably takes forever. We need to hear about this in the sequel when we see the Grinch and Martha who get together. Yeah, uh, that I need to. I need answers to these. Well, the sequel is all about them trying to privatize the postal system <laughs> on the Snowflake, and uh, at the same time, FedEx and UPS are trying to come in, and it's really it's bad. it's a disaster. It's bad, it's bad times for the Who's. Basically, yeah. just gangland wars going on. Yeah, Amazon, and then look, Amazon comes in and just yeah. destroys the Snowflake. <laughs> yeah. Global warming and Amazon. There goes the Snowflake. Yeah, building your entire society on something that is, you know, incredibly temporary, eh, it seems a mistake to me. Maybe, but maybe like they live their entire lives really quickly, you know? Like mayflies? Yeah, like so their entire civilization evolves and is completely destroyed in the amount of time it takes for a snowflake to form. Yeah, they must be like ants in that sense where they can build an entire city really quickly. Yeah, yeah. So basically then we just turn the grid into a horror movie because come... February, I think we March, did that when we mentioned just... Buffalo Bill. <laughs> well, it, it becomes sort of a Werner Herzog movie at that point. You know, what like, is the meaning? Is, yeah, <laughs> there is no point. The Grinch is happy now, but the ice is melting. <laughs> Soon they will all die. Their polar ice caps are melting. Merry Christmas their polar from bears Werner are drowning. Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> the great thaw of... Ah, yeah. yeah. Jim Carrey kind of overacting... Uh, well, I mean, there. this movie, he got so, so many opportunities to do his gym thing. You know, yeah. like we mentioned with the whole liar, liar, how... I wonder how much ad-libbing there was in That's this, what uh, I'm wondering, is you that know? you got to wonder how much freedom he was given, because he's, he's jumping around on a, you know, a pogo stick, or, and he's trying to make all this noise when yeah. he's trying to drown out the Christmas singing down from the village, and uh, and he's got all these different jokes that he cracks, and especially when he's just with Cindy Lou and she's pestering him like, Hey, we elected you holiday cheermeister. And he's like, no buzz off kid. Get out of here. It's even some of their conversation feels a little ad libbed. Yeah, I mean, it might be, you know, you have to think that the makeup would limit that at least a little bit. Cause you know, you've got to sort of, you know, orchestrate how you're moving and things like that in that makeup. You know, it's not like you can just, 
go crazy and start doing dances and, you know, typical Jim Carrey stuff. Yeah. Big movement, like with the mask where that helped them because then they didn't have to animate as much because he's so like flexible and can make so many crazy faces just naturally with this. Yeah. I would imagine it would, the makeup would be a a little bit limiting. And like you were saying with the clothes alley, clothes are purely optional for the Grinch. Um, And he winds up in this like little German mountain outfit (laughs) where he's wearing like little coveralls, lederhosen. Yeah. And, it is, you know, now that you, you guys have brought it up, I'm now actually slightly disturbed by the fact that the Grinch <laughs> is naked. naked with the little it's girl never, all It's the never time. bothered me before, but I'm actually sitting here getting creeped out. Like, you can see a lot of skin through that fur. You really <laughs> and can. She's just, and her height compared to his, she's not in an ideal place, really. I mean, it's like it's like an Italian man that's covered in jello. <laughs> oh, God. I went on a cruise. I can talk. I uh, saw it. They oh, didn't have Lordy. the Jello, but you know. But in your mind, you were coating him with Jello. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, you know what? I don't really want to know any more about this. But yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I'd give it a go. But Jim Carrey, yeah, he is jumping around a fair bit. Like he's moving around in his big Jim Carrey kind of way, Thanks. and he keeps. Uh, but I thought, of, like, whenever he would put clothes on, I was just like, "Do you guys have the phrase hat on a hat?" Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now this is actually completely disturbing me. Um, watching him rip it, uh, put a shirt on specifically to rip it off. Well, I think I it, did that once, and I I got a caution from the police over it. <laughs> you had to register on. Yeah, a I did. I'm on a list because of that. I had to put a sign in my yard that said "Don't trick or treat." Did you also do it in front of a child? <laughs> oh, and now I understand. You did that so you wouldn't get any more trick or treaters. Yes, yes, it was my brilliant scheme. <laughs> I know what I'll do. I understand now. Oh, I could just sell those signs. I bet there are people who would just buy the sign. Absolutely, <laughs> because, sex offender. Well, no, <laughs> do th- not no. Trick or treat. Think about it. If you have that sign, what you do is at about six p.m. Uh, on Halloween, mm-hmm. you go to your neighbor's house and you put the sign in there. Oh God, <laughs> that That's is so the, terrible. That is the most. Oh my God, I got to make this sign. <laughs> That's horrendous. What a what a fun holiday prank. <laughs> no trick or treating. Because turning uh, off your porch light just isn't enough anymore. No, no. Well, that's like when we were in college and we put. Uh, we used to put stickers on people's cars that we didn't like, mainly because we it was the theory that people would go a long time before they realized they had a sticker on their car. Right. Um, so there it was great ones, uh, you know, that said uh, uh, something, uh, comma, the police um, began with an F. Uh, that was a <laughs> great one to put on the backs of people's cars. Uh, cops, for some reason, just they can't take a joke like that. Oh, what you know? a bunch of losers. Especially in a very small town. Goodness. Where they, where they like actually know you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a little trickier to pull off. There. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Grinch is super creepy and terrifying now. And I no longer want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in old school Hollywood fashion, and I wonder if this is kind of a Ron Howard signature. It takes a while to get around to the real premise of the movie. Oh yeah, it's like an hour before. Yeah, kind of like a night shift. It took an hour before the guys started their brothel and became love brokers or whatever you want to call it. And with this, you're sitting around and it's mostly just Cindy Lou trying to convince the Grinch to come be a part of the town, which is that, I wonder if that like, for some people, if that adds to the story. For me, I don't really need that part. Well, uh, it's trying to make it a legitimate movie meaning it's following legitimate movie screenplay writing rules. We and have give to, it more of a character to, arc. Yeah. yeah, we've got to establish things. We've got to, you know, the, the Christmas thing is, the stealing the Christmas part is an act three kind of thing, so we need the act one and act two. Yeah, I suppose. Um, 
and and look, it worked. I mean, this movie made a bajillion dollars. It was the most successful Christmas movie ever. It made three hundred and forty five point one million dollars. Yeah, yep. and and that that's a number that you know. If you count in it's the insanity. Is, well, I mean, and just think about how much money it's continued to make over the years. Oh, yeah. You know, well, because um, Christmas movies are in a league of their own in that sense where the parents, you know, in 2000, I was, you know, we were all younger. But then we if, if we've grown up and had kids, we want to show our kids this movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, it still gets, you know, streaming sales, DVD sales, however oh, yeah. people watch it. Yeah, absolutely. It lives on. But you are right, though, because I think with a lot of Christmas movies, it tends to be sort of a flip-flop thing where it's like a Christmas story, which didn't do very well originally, but then over the years, it develops this huge following and makes a lot of money. This started out making a lot of money, and it's just continued to make a lot of money. Yeah. Well, it's all about consumerism, so what's more American than that? Well, yeah. (laughs) You know, but I think a part of it is, like you said, it's trying to recreate the, the good things from your childhood, particularly if you have a kid. You know, you want to recreate, the, you know, your memories from, you know, that's why I watch A Christmas Story with my kid. Yeah, you want to yeah. reinvent that feeling of nostalgia and, you know. Yeah. Let them grow up and have their own children and then share the movie with them. Like, it's it's just an endless cycle. Yeah. Give Would another you, generation. This will be our generation. It's a wonderful life. Showing oh. it to our grandkids and great-grandkids or whatever. Well, you know, you do have to wonder uh, stuff like that. And I, I, I wonder about that with a lot of movies, that if you... You know, don't talk about like 5, 10, 15 years from now, but, talk, you know, think about like 150 years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the things that are still going to be around that people actually go and watch? And actually, you know, you can mention, you know, today you mentioned Star Wars. Everyone on planet Earth knows Star Wars. But is it ever just going to fade out at some right. point? In 200 years, will you say Star Wars? And they, oh, yeah, that was that was huge long time ago. Yeah, nobody cares about it anymore. Well, see, I, I've got to disagree with that. And I think the scale of it is that I think the Grinch, like Ali said, will remain a classic forever and ever because you don't have to relate to the characters to enjoy the movie. Unlike with Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life, that movie has... Uh, it's hard for young kids to even understand why that movie is important. It's it's a big existential crisis, and it's yeah. set back in what the fifties. And I don't know. It's it's more of an emotional, serious story. Well, whereas this, you don't. You're just like, oh, big green guy in a costume, and you're gonna watch it just for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, and I think you know, as humans, we have had for centuries and centuries, we've had stories and books and so stories have been handed down for generations and and, you know the you can say a story about you know beowulf and Mm -hmm. beowulf's been around it's been bounced around from you know one generation to another for a long long time but movies are still relatively young i mean the idea of a movie is a century old right you know um and books have been around they've been around forever (laughs) yeah so it's sort of like you know what what are the movies that are being made now and that were made you know in the 20th century that are going to be the Beowulf and the grim fairy tales and the things that just never, ever die. It's hard to say, you know, it's impossible to say. Uh, And I think we, I think we'll be surprised if we, if we had a time machine, I think we would be shocked to find out which ones made it and which ones didn't. Right. Sorry. No, go ahead. I said, I think the thing this movie has going for it that other movies have a problem with is that because it's entirely fabricated in this made up world and made mm-hmm. up words, it's not going to be dated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't age because there's nothing in it that's linked to any particular time. Until yeah. we move on to like flying cars and spaceships and stuff. But anyway. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, 
I, I think people will always be people. No, like I, I, it was a joke, but like that, I agree in the sense that you, once again, going back to the fact you don't have to relate to what any of the characters are going through, where they are in their lives in order to enjoy this movie. Like it's, it's a little otherworldly and there's just enough difference from actual reality for you to be like, oh yeah, it's just this story that exists on its own. And Star Wars, I think it kind of rides both lines in that sense because you know, Luke is the everyman who rises up and, you know, defeats um, an ultimate evil. And it's, it's, it's a whole big story that people can relate to, but it's set in an unrealistic setting. So I I don't know. Well, no, you're right. to tell. Yeah, you're right. Because, you know, you have, Oh, there's some more adult fare for you, Jason. (laughs) The Grinch does accept Cindy Lou's uh, invitation to be the cheermeister. And he transposed via the garbage chute, that How did that not kill her? I don't her, 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 her neck went straight on that on that concrete step. You I know? asked Josh the same thing. So the Grinch is shot out of the garbage chute yeah. at like 50 miles an hour, knocks over Martha May Huvier, and her, she literally busts her skull on a cement stair, and everything's fine. Yeah. And oh no, Jim Carrey's face landed in her boobs. <laughs> Funny has, how that worked out. She has a lot of hair. That's true. So oh. kind of cushioned the... Yeah. It's kind of like the wives from Goodfellas. They had so much hairspray in their hair that, you know, you could shoot them in the skull and it wouldn't make a difference. That was the idea. Oh, yeah. It's bullet resistant. The hair, the helmets were too embarrassing. So they just went for a bulletproof amount of hairspray. Yeah. And now, you know, Uh, no, but the Grinch is, I mean, at the end of the day, it is, you know, it's a morality tale. Yeah, of course. Um, You know, like most of the Dr. Seuss uh, stories, you know, they were there to teach not necessarily to teach a lesson, but to illustrate a lesson. One lousy Lorax, Lana. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, and you do see the Grinch's character arc where not only does he, you know, gain empathy and start relating to the villagers and he his heart grows the three sizes, but then he's kinder to his dog as well. Like yeah. he's he just becomes a better person in general. Yeah. And I think that is an important lesson. I mean, you know, as silly as the Grinch is and everything else that happens in it, you know, the idea that at a certain point you've got to just stop putting the effort into hating things. Right. You know, and and if you take that, some of that effort and you channel it away from hating things to anything else. Yeah. yeah, It's like all of a sudden you're happier and life is better. And it also teaches the lesson. And I've told my kid this a million times when you meet somebody who's mean just remember the person you meet who is mean is probably a person who's very sad. Yeah. They're either, they're in pain or they're, yeah, they're sad. In pain or like they're something's sad. wrong yeah. with them on some level. Yeah. Happy people don't tend to be mean. I mean, I do, but that's because I really enjoy it. <laughs> that's know? what you found makes you <laughs> yes. happy. So you got to stick with <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, here we are. Allie's shout out to the cheermeister pudding. Cause yeah, they're, oh. they're basically torturing poor Jim Carrey by stuffing all manner of food in his mouth and, Making him run around and dance the conga. And <laughs> this is actually an elaborate plot to murder him. <laughs> Stuff him full of food. And oh, this is what I loved. You see, Martha May has always had a crush on the Grinch since they were kids, but it's not socially acceptable for her to like the Grinch. <laughs> but you can tell she's totally got the hots for him. She's just like, yeah, those, those Hoovians, they're, they're so bigoted, you know? <laughs> every, every dad wants their daughter to bring a Grinch home. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Was that racist? <laughs> a little. Yeah. But I was watching this movie, and I was wondering, are there people of color in this movie? Um, like, looking around? 
There's like two, maybe. It's kind of hard to tell with some of the makeup. That's true, but. Yeah, that is true. You know, well, they're not humans. So, you know, the rules are kind of different. I, I mean, you know, the Grinch is technically one of them, but yeah. he's horribly disfigured. <laughs> or it's like, is, is he, is, is the Grinch a who, but. Something went wrong. <laughs> there know. was some sort of bestiality somewhere along the line. Like, I was, I was, I was, gotta, I was going to say, hair? <laughs> the yak somebody, hair. the yak hair, <laughs> yeah, the yak hair. Somebody, somebody made yeah, it with there, a yak. There was that one who got really lonely that night. And <laughs> hey, if it's they're cold in, on the snowflake, I was man. Say, if they're listening, if they're living in solitude on a mountain, and a and a pretty yak just wanders by. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there was they, a, they King Tommy. <laughs> there was that one. There was that one yak that that for some reason they all named Cindy Lou. <laughs> oh God! It actually makes me. Speaking of yaks, it makes me think of Ace Ventura because when he's trying to annoy someone, I can't remember exactly. Why did you name the yak Cindy Lou? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, Jim Carrey's even impersonating all these animal calls, and he's like, "Here's the mating call of a yak." Yeah, so maybe that's what happened because it's come up in more than one of his projects. So you're saying that Jim Carrey has a, some sort of yak fetish? No, I'm saying he... That is what you're saying. He Moving has on a now. yak. <laughs> <laughs> he has an ancestor who is a yak. Oh, now that... Okay, that I can see. There you go. Somewhere see, in, his, in his family tree, there was a, a yak named Cindy Lou. Exactly. <laughs> we need 23 and Me to sponsor this, please. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jim Carrey's actually got 25, so... Yeah, whole different thing. <laughs> and it's interesting that Jeffrey Tambor is in this because in the beginning of the fourth season of Arrested Development, mm-hmm. they have the whole thing where um, Oscar uh, Bluth and Lucille Bluth do the whole Grinch thing about trying to stop Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it all links together. It's all, and, and Ron Howard. You know, yep, uh, being yeah. the narrator. Uh huh. Yeah, there you go. Oh, and speaking of narration, uh, as we know, Anthony Hopkins famously narrates this movie. And unlike Jim Carrey, who spent a grueling amount of time and effort working on this movie, Anthony Hopkins worked on his narration for one day. Yep. That's all it took. Well, you know, look, voice acting, I mean, working behind a microphone, it's easy. It's beautiful. You can show up in, oh, yeah. you can show up in a bathrobe and nobody cares. I didn't they even just... put pants on today. <laughs> you and the Grinch have that in common. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, no wonder you were so fascinated with that, Jason. You got a, you got a fellow nudist in the room. I'm just saying. Well, you're a partial nudist because we can at least see your shirt. So just don't stand up and I think we'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Dead air. Awkward. <laughs> dead don't air. Worry. Dead air. Oh, no. We can edit that out, right? Yes, we can edit pretty much anything out and that's fine. Um, Hold on, I'll kick it back off. Okay, so yeah, the whole cheermeister thing happens until the Grinch reaches his boiling point, and then he decides to go ape shit on Whoville. Yeah, and he sets fires and destroys. Because at first he's kind of he yeah, gets, he's not stealing Christmas. Yeah, Let's not, just be honest. Yeah, he's not stealing Christmas. He's, he's committing he's, vandalism. He's committing vandalism, <laughs> breaking and entering, home invasion. <laughs> you know, <laughs> more serious crimes are happening. Yeah, today. if I break into your house and I steal all your shit, and I happen to include your Christmas tree, you know, That's it's not, not just funny. About Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Legally, you can kill me. Well, he sort of <laughs> upped his uh, severity of his crimes because at first he's irritated with the kids who are sneaking up to his house. So what he does to go. Uh, give the who's 
a reminder of the fact that he wants to be left alone. He's he's like Butters as uh, Professor Chaos mm-hmm. on South Park, mm-hmm. where he goes to the mail slots in the post office and he's like, oh, I'm going to switch all the letters around. Good, <laughs> chaos. And it's like, jury duty, jury duty, jury duty, jury duty. And he, he's, he's not doing anything that crazy. No, and then no. when Cindy Lou busts him, he puts her in a, a Christmas box, like, yeah. and, and wraps her up like a Christmas package, and that's it. But so it's not that insane, but this is where he really ups his game when he's fed up with being cheermeister because the town is actually really mean to him. Uh, part of his childhood trauma is that the um, clippers that he tried to don Johnson his face with. They cut up his little face, and mm-hmm. so the town gifts him a pair of the exact same clippers, and he loses his mind, like, sets the Christmas tree on fire, is, like, causing wrecks and just, you know, general chaos and actual yeah. crimes, as opposed to just, you know, tampering with the mail. Like, Yeah, lot, lot, lots of stuff that the little kids watching really enjoy, and it goes on for a while. It does. <clears throat> this movie... I have to make the argument that this movie definitely could have been shorter. I, I, I agree with you. The movie is too long. It is. Uh, it is. There, there could be a lot that was cut out. But, you know, if you like the movie, I guess if if this is your kind of movie, then you just want more of it. Well, and it is, it is kind of perfect for kids, too, because they don't have to be paying strict attention the entire time to understand what's going on to, to really enjoy it. Right. It's just a yeah. lot of visual, visual, you know jumping around and lights and color and it's just a lot of action in some places. Yeah, so. definitely a lot of a lot of bright sounds and you know bright lights and loud sounds and stuff like that for the kitties, you yeah. know. But again, you know, it, it is backed by an actual script and it's still Ron Howard. You know, I mean for for you know whatever you can say about the cheesiness, I mean this is the same guy who made Apollo 13, you know. Yeah. It's it's a slightly different project. Absolutely. But uh, you know, um, the, the thing with, with the, the whole, you know, the Grinch's entire sort of concept though, uh, you know, with him hating Christmas and hating the, the, the noise and everything. And it sort of goes back to the idea that it is sort of a morality tale in a sense. I'm probably being too generous, but you know, if you're a very sad person, one thing you hate is very obvious signs of other people being happy, happy Yeah, you know? And, uh, you know, this is, I, I think everybody's got a little Grinch in them. Oh, you know, absolutely. we've all been, at, we've all been in that, at that point in our lives, whenever we've seen other people being happy and we just hate it, you know, and there's this urge to, to destroy that. Well, and there is the lesson that comparison is the thief of joy and the, mm-hmm, all the Grinch mm-hmm. can do and all that is done to him is comparison because he looks completely different from the other who's because let's face it, they're not exactly an attractive group of people. <laughs> they Racist. They, uh, <laughs> Carry on. Because he's green, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's it's exact. No, he even yells that. I love why why he got to be a green Grinch? <laughs> he used because to be. they invented Technicolor. Yeah, that's true. That's why he yeah. was they green didn't need Jello anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he. But he looks different from the rest of the Who's. So he's the natural outcast in their group of people, and, I, and all he does is compare his life to everyone else's, and it's, it it just doesn't yeah. measure up. Can I just say too how if this movie had been made. Um, just a little bit later, how much worse it would have been. What do you mean? Well, think about it. If this movie was made in 2013, it would have been garbage. Why? 90% of it would have been computer generated. Yep. True. Um, you know, look at the movie, you know, like you, you were saying before about the Wizard of Oz comparison. All the practical yeah. makeup and effects. Yeah. I mean, they don't do this anymore. 
even if you were somebody like Ron Howard, the studio is not going to give you $150 million. Just to build a town when they could generate it on computers. Right. Like, yeah. it, it, They're going to give you the $150 million to market it in China. Yeah, exactly. Like, unlike, because we discussed on Sleepy Hollow during Halloween, you know, Tim Burton built yeah. the village of Sleepy Hollow from the ground up. And he had the budget to do that. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the one. It's another reason this movie won't get made, though. They won't give you $150 million to make a movie that's obviously going to bomb in China. Right. <laughs> I'm if serious. it can even be shown in China. If it can even be shown. It's so, no, the movie's not going to get made. Right. So we get more Marvel movies. That's yeah. what Martin Scorsese was talking about. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. So and we get our 11th Die Hard and our 14th Indiana Jones. Right. <laughs> just, yeah, it, exactly. And our yeah. 97th Star Wars. Oh, you were asking God. about that, if it was ever going to get dated or people were going to still be It'll still be around when our great-great-grandchildren are here. Yeah. yeah. They'll just keep making them because as long as they can still make action figures and video games and more commercialism, yeah. just like this movie shows, they'll keep making them. You have, you have to wonder if, you know, at some point in our lifetime, if there will be a new franchise that is as big, you know, because you think if it, they build it from scratch, like it's it doesn't have anything. To, right. It's yeah. not a, it's not a spinoff. It's not right. a canon of something else in any way, shape or form. It's just its own entity. Right. Yeah. I mean, when was the last I, I, thinking back on it? I think the last new franchise of that scale that I can think of that came out of nowhere was Harry Potter. Because Harry Potter was after Marvel. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> Marvel's obviously been around forever, but the Marvel the cinematic movie, universe. The cinematic, yeah. That, that was, or did the MCU come around after the first Harry Potter movie? Um, it was first, it was after when yeah, the first Harry Potter started in well the books came out if in we're the talking 90s. about Avengers the like because the, yeah the Harry Potter books came out nine started well, not coming the, out not in the books I know I mean, the, movies. Yeah, the movies so the movies would have started coming out um, in the early two thousand okay so I I'm not there were superhero movies that were of the Marvel universe like you had the Tobey Maguire Spider Man you, you had know, but it wasn't the Avengers they weren't all grouped together yeah but you know I'm not even saying that though Harry Potter came out of nowhere and was its own thing. The Avengers came from something that already existed. So that really doesn't count. Because it, you know... The I mean, they both you know, came from... Yeah, they've been around forever. They both came from literature of some sort. Well, yeah, but Harry Potter, you know, there was an author who created a series of books. They became movies. Then there were spinoffs and, you know, theme parks and yeah, all that now other stuff. Yeah, you know? now they're doing spinoffs. Uh, but I mean, it's years. basically Harry Potter, the MCU, Star Wars. <sighs> That's it. You know, as far as the big going franchises. Yeah. And you could yeah. argue Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and all that too, but same idea it came from a book. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Lord of the Rings is probably done. I don't think they're they're gonna do anything you know, the Hobbit movies well, didn't do great. And Pirates of the Caribbean tried to come out swinging with that concept where... Oh, they're going to reboot it. Yeah, I know, but the, yeah. they're not including Johnny Depp anymore, but it but it was based on a Disney ride. It wasn't even yeah. based on a book. So yeah, yeah. It yeah. was, and there, there were... Like five movies that came from that, yeah. so yeah, it was its own. But how, kind how of crazy is that though? They're already going to reboot it. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been around that long, and it's time to reboot it. It's been around for well over uh, almost fifteen years. I, but that's not that long to not really, reboot. Right. You know, like okay, well, we had fifteen years. Let's just do it all again. Yeah, you know, like oh my god, is that it? Well, that cycle's coming around just, faster and faster these days. Where, yeah. Because somebody even said that, they, like I saw online, that they're teasing about, can we stop with the Harry Potter canon already? It's like, give me something more original, like, you know, drunk wizard or drunk history with wizards, you know, something that's not necessarily as dramatic as the series has been. Well, just something new. 
you know, something original, exactly. something just, you know, let some filmmaker who has Dream a good something I- up, fund yeah. a different kind of project for the love of God, take a risk. Yeah. You know, I think if I was president, I, I would just set aside a fund, a movie gamble fund. Like here, here's a hundred million dollars. Find somebody who's just got an idea and let him make a hundred million dollar movie. Well, Matt Damon was doing that with uh, a production company many, many moons ago, I want to say. I'd have to dig it back up. I'm not sure if it's a project that he's still involved in, but he was accepting original scripts and helping helping them get made. He was really realistic about it. He was like, listen, you got to understand that this is Hollywood and I know you submitted your idea and it's perfect in your mind, but it's going to morph. It's going to change yeah. and it's going to be something different than what you were expecting, but the end result will change. Yeah. So I think some people are trying to make those kind of projects happen. It's just, no, it's, it's easier and it's more of a guaranteed win to revamp something that yeah. tugs on the heartstrings of our nostalgia. So. Well, no, you're absolutely right. And, and also, too, if they made The Grinch today, it wouldn't be in the theaters. It would be a direct-to-Netflix, Amazon, or... No, it did go to theaters, remember? Because no, Benedict no. Cumberbatch did. No, that was a cartoon, though. The yeah, I, I mean, if they made this movie, oh, this exact oh, okay, movie today, got it. yeah, it gotcha. would be CG and it would go straight to a streaming play. It might, it might be in a theater for a week. Oh, yeah. You know, and, uh, and you can have the most talented actor in the world, but CG just changes the quality of the acting. I'm sorry. I don't care if you're Sir Ian McKellen. I don't care if you're Jim Carrey. Like when you're because hell, when I was an extra in one of the uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks movies, it it's kind of strange. We're at the uh, Atlanta airport and obviously the chipmunks are all CG. Yeah. But Jason Lee is looking at these little chipmunk dolls and they're not doing anything. There's right. nothing to react to. Right. It's just, yeah. And it's kind of like having a one-sided phone call, which I know some actors are really talented at doing yeah. Oh, yeah. that, yeah. but at least there's a prop and you can sort of practice it. Like, but when you're just staring at a doll or a green screen, I, I think it hurts the acting. Like, yeah, no, it definitely does. I absolutely agree. And there's a rare actor who's capable of doing it and the material has to support it. And I don't think the material in the Chipmunks movie supported it. You know, right. like in Jurassic Park, when people are running from, you know, a stick with a tennis ball on top of it. Yeah. At least you can say, okay, in my mind, I'm being chased by a carnivorous animal that's going to eat me. Exactly. You know, it's like, okay, I, I can do this. I can fake being chased by a dinosaur. Exactly. You know? Um, but when you're starting to have a conversation like, Alvin, yeah. what made you think to, to like go down to New Orleans and leave the town? Like, it just when you're trying to have a conversation. Yeah, that's a whole different ballgame. Well, especially because you realize at some point you're in an Alvin and the Chipmunks movie and yeah. you have to take your flask out and take a long drink. And, I'm pretty and, sure that was part of Jason Lee's writer. <laughs> yeah, You know, they had to cut out all the scenes where Jason Lee just broke down in tears. Yep. <laughs> and the impressive thing is that they made multiples of oh, that. Yes. Yeah, yes. it was one of the sequels. It wasn't even the. I was definitely not in the original. It was. Um, I think it was called Road Chip. And, and I never the, saw you, it. So you were you were a part of the Alvin and the Chipmunks cinematic universe. I so. am. <laughs> you wanted to know. You wanted to know what cinematic <laughs> worlds yeah. were created. The the ACCU. <laughs> yes. That'll go yeah. on my tombstone. Yes. Part of the Alvin and the Chipmunks cinematic cinematic universe. universe. Yes. Love it. Tombstone Perfect. moment. But yeah. So okay, we're what about. A full hour in, like you said, Jason. Yeah, there's and, so much left of this movie. Yeah. It's, I, it's like watching Patton. <laughs> well, from here on out, this is where it kind of stays true to the original story. All the other filler, all the made-up stuff that came from Ron Howard, that happens in the beginning. Yeah. With the backstories and the existential crisis of Cindy oh, Lou Who. I do, being Ron yeah, Howard. I do, yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah, I love that uh, Jim Carrey riffs on you Ron sticked Howard. sticked on it, yep. Yeah. And I love that Ron Howard put that in there. You know, that, that's... It's good to be able to make fun of yourself. Which, you, and to give you guys some context, uh, Jim Carrey, it's the part where he puts on the director's cap and he's trying to teach Max how to be a reindeer. 
And he's like, okay, what's your motivation? Cut, stamp, ship it. All right. And then, yeah, so he's clearly just riffing on Ron Howard. Yeah. Well, he's got the ball cap on. Absolutely. Ron Howard. It's great. And I mean, look, that's the thing about Ron Howard, too. He's, you got to love the guy. Oh, yeah. I I mean, you're talking about a guy who does make all of these great movies and is also the guy who does some fantastic uh, narration in uh, Arrested Development. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's so talented. I don't think he's ever really had a bad project, which is so... Like, I, I can't think of anything he's done. I'm gonna look, nothing I'm gonna look jumps to mind where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I love this director, but God, remember that one movie that we all, like Sam Raimi's third Spider-Man? No. All the no. Like, I love the other Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, but the third one was just god-awful. So, and people love Sam Raimi from The Evil Dead and everything else. So it did. But with Ron Howard, nothing just immediately jumps to mind where you're like, oh, yeah, remember that awful movie that he made? Uh, solo. But that doesn't really count because he came in to try to save it. You know, like the movie was bad already and they I said... I don't know. I, I enjoyed Solo for what it was, but I went in with that mentality. Kind of like how you were saying, which Star Wars movie where you said you treated it like a war film? And you were like, oh, from Rogue, that perspective... Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One. You were Rogue, like, okay. Yeah. If, Rogue if One think, is just watching it like a World War II. You uh-huh. know, like, like imagining <laughs> Charles Bronson and Lee Marvin in it. It's a great old war movie. That's a lot of mental... Uh, uh, you know, hops to take just to enjoy a movie. But it, like I said, you have to go in knowing what to expect and be like, all right, this is yet another Star Wars movie. I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, I'm trying to see if uh, if there is a Ron Howard movie other than Solo that I have that seen just, that just sucked. Yeah. Well, I've got a question. I can't remember this from the original while Jason's looking that up. Uh, are the turbo jets on the Christmas sleigh, were those unique to the Jim Carrey version? I don't... I don't 100%. Okay, I was about to say, I really don't remember those from the cartoon. But it has been quite a minute since I've watched it. But we, we do finally get around to uh, the Grinch and Max actively stealing Christmas from all the Who's. Everybody's asleep in their beds. And somehow he's got this... Jumbo jet engine sleigh that doesn't wake anyone up when he just barrels into town on it. But I guess you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Oh, no, well, it doesn't. Hear, it wakes up Cindy Lou's dad. Yeah, they hear it. They just think it's the sleigh and they go, oh, we got to go back to sleep. You know, Santa's coming. I guess it was strategic for the Grinch to land on the roof. So, yeah, you got to be asleep or he won't. Santa won't show up. Yes, I did find something that Ron Howard directed that I hated. What's that? The Da Vinci Code. Okay. Yeah. That people were yeah. so divided on that movie, though. People either loved it and treated it like the Holy Grail, <laughs> or they just freaking hated it. So yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like again, it, maybe it was well directed, but with bad source material. But yeah, it's it was still his project, and it because the book um, was interesting. Yeah. It was it was just Italian national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Although we did, I did just get back from Paris, and when we were there, we went and looked for some of the oh, that's cool elements that were in the book, and therefore in did the you movie. find the Holy Grail? Uh, you know, we did not. We did go to the Louvre, and we did see the bottom of the pyramid part in the Louvre, but well, we didn't I mean, dig it up, so we don't know. If well, what was the point it, then? Why did you waste your time going? I, I don't know. God, you know, well, you, Paris does have some pretty bomb ass food. That, that's a good true. place to go. <laughs> yes, the the French have been uh, known for that. Yes, yes. 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 And yes. while I was there, I ate so much. Now I have a body resembling the Grinch. <laughs> so it worked out. Oh my god, <laughs> you do not. But she's um, uh, green and covered in yak hair. Yes, it's exactly. Very strange. She had an allergic reaction to something. <laughs> and also not wearing pants. Yes. 
I, uh, wow. I don't I, know why you wore clothes today. I'm not sure either. <laughs> I guess so I just weird. didn't get the memo, guys. You know? I didn't know we were going full Grinch like that if I'd known. We went method. Yeah. <laughs> for this podcast. After the recording, we're going to be doing some jumping jacks. Uh, oh, our Patreon that. subscribers uh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. don't have to watch. <laughs> All the rest of you do, though. You, you have to pay not to watch. You have to pay not to watch. That's what it is. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's added value right there. Good luck with those visuals, hindsighters. <laughs> People throwing money. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> no, put clothes on. Here's five bucks. Meanwhile, our, our trolls are thrilled because this is secretly what they've wanted the entire time. Oh, absolutely. They have. <laughs> hey, you know, it'd be great if we could hook those two trolls up. Oh, they, well, they won't be lonely anymore. But wait, won't. I thought it was the same guy with multiple accounts. So what's the theory then? Well, okay, honestly, it probably is two people. And now I'm thinking that imagine the little ugly, horrible little troll babies they could have. <laughs> They'll look you just know? like the Grinch in this they movie. Could, but they would have a problem, though, because do you move into his mom's basement or his mom's basement? Yeah. You know? This, it's, you know. You're acting like they don't already play on the same guild on World That's of true. Warcraft. That's true. That's true. Yes. They pleasure themselves to the same raids. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They just rip their clothes off and yell, Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> When's Darth's next episode coming out? I'm running out of masturbation material. <laughs> That's so, they're not on topic anymore. I'm going to write a terrible thing. <laughs> I'm taking all my clothes off and writing a horrible review. <laughs> I have to wipe that Frito dust off my hands first. Yeah, oh, it's God. all over the keyboard. now. <laughs> You gotta respect that equipment. <clears throat> no, God. The, the D key is stuck again. Oh, Lordy. Uh, the pages are frozen together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, is it still mom's basement, though, when mom is dead and decomposing upstairs? No, then it's the it, base it's, motel. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Mother. <laughs> Paging Dr. Bates, Dr. Norman Bates. But we still have to make uh, the beanbag chair. That's how we're going to track them down, remember? That's true. Uh, the beanbag That's chair true. with my face on it. Yeah. The only two people on earth who will order that beanbag chair are those two And we're going to ship it. What we're going to do is when we ship it, we're actually going to put Adam Brown in the beanbag <laughs> chair. <laughs> and in the middle of the night, the zipper on the beanbag chair is going to, from the inside, it's going to start opening up. <laughs> and Adam Brown's going <laughs> to, dressed as, uh, <laughs> dressed as, uh, David Carradine from Death Race 2000. Okay, yeah, that's actually a lot better than that, what I was going to say. I, I don't even want to know what you were going to say. I was going to say the Miami Vice thing, but no, no. Uh, is Don Johnson? Oh, oh God. Uh, uh, and he listens to the other episodes now, so Adam, you're welcome. Yeah. He's we an love you. He's an action hero now. <laughs> he sure is. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought we were off of Halloween and back to Christmas. Uh, <laughs> you know. Maybe we can dress him as sexy Santa. Who knows? <laughs> I wonder if there's a sexy Grinch costume. Oh, there's got to be. There had, there, oh, there, Andy has right one 100%. Dr. Gugel, paging Dr. Gugel. All right, let's see if there's a sexy Grinch costume. Yes, there it's Please. Does it have yak fur? Oh, please email that to me so I can put it, it in the damn show notes. It has small bits of yak fur. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. It's got... Two small bits of yak fur. I absolutely believe um, that. And here's the thing, guys. We are straight talking through the Grinch stealing Christmas because everybody knows come, what come on, happens guys. right now. Do we got to tell you this? We gotta, yeah, we gotta th tell you if, you, if you don't know this part, we're coming up with original content. 
This is value oh, added. God. Value added. There is a sexy <laughs> Grinch costume. If you can text me that image, Ellie, I will put it in the show notes. It'll be brilliant. 100%. I wonder if there's a sexy Ron Howard costume. <laughs> um, You can't improve upon Ron Howard. He's already sexy, okay? It's got to be out there. There's got to be a... Now, that's Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, right. Yeah. Wrong, wrong one. Oh, God. Don't ever search for sexy Ron Howard. You get some very strange things. Oh, my. Did, did they give the sexy Ron Howard costume hair is the question. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You'd have to put a bald cap on and then, like, a small wig because he has, like, a little bit, yeah. you know? He's got some tufts of hair. It's a cul-de-sac yeah. where it goes around the side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a Captain Picard thing. He's What's got. the plural of that? Is it cul-de-sac? Oh. Yes, it is. Yes, it another is Gilmore Girls joke out there for you guys. Um, but we this apologize. A, nah, I'll never apologize for Gilmore <laughs> Girls. But um, an interesting fact I did learn about this movie is it shares a similarity to The Walking Dead in a very unique way. Uh, apparently, when you are a background actor or a walker of any level on The Walking Dead, you have to go to their like version of zombie school, where they teach you. Okay. The walkers can do this. You can't move faster than that. Like you, there are very specific ways to move and to growl and moan or whatever the zombies do. And they did the same thing with the who's. And oddly enough, uh, when you're done with that, you are actually certified to teach in Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) Preaching. (laughs) It's where they film it. But yeah, the actors who played who's had to go to who's school. They were um, they actually had to learn from a choreographer to learn exactly how to move and be comfortable being a who, like you do. <laughs> Which I don't. I Hello, don't really... everybody. Today we're going to learn to be comfortable, <laughs> <laughs> even when your brain is screaming. Can I can I call my parole officer just real quick? Because <laughs> I know I'm supposed to look like I'm searching for a job, but this just isn't worth it. Prison might actually be safer. Um, no, but I. Th- but what I don't understand about that fact is, do the Who's move a specific way? I never really took note of that. Yeah, it's, they just. Yeah, I mean, what did they have to do? Learn <laughs> how to breathe with that nose on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess so. But because Jim Carrey's the one who goes through the most intense makeup, as we've already stated. But the Who's take like little bitty Who steps, and they're kind of cutesy with their movements. But other than that, I've never really noticed any specific. Whoisms of yeah. how they behave. So, are, are they wearing normal size shoes or like clown shoes? I haven't looked, but there was one where like there was two people that were dressed like candy canes. And they had the full like candy cane look on. They had like these clown shoes, and I have yet to notice true. if the other who's wear normal size shoes or if they're all wearing. These are the burning questions. It, it, these are, well, these, it is yeah. very big bird shaped because like the the candy cane does reach higher above their heads, so it. I don't know. Some of them have really bizarre costumes, so I'm with you on that. We have a group scene coming up in just a minute because he has just already stolen all of Christmas and he's on top of Mount Crumpet. And he's and to me, this is even more impressive than actual Santa delivering presents to the entire world. It would take me way more than a night to steal an entire city's worth of gifts and trees. Yeah, he's a very, he's sort of like Hans Gruber. <laughs> he's Hans he Gruber. He is an exceptional Gruber. thief. Yes, he is. And he doesn't fall off the mountain. Yeah, that's true. So maybe he's an even better thief than Hans Gruber. Imagine if Hans Gruber's heart had grown three sizes at the end of the movie. (laughs) He would have just let uh, Bonnie Bedelia's watch go and just sacrificed himself. Well, that would have been the whole thing. Then he he and John McClane would have become friends. Oh. That's the movie. There's your movie. Yeah. And then John McClane and Hans Gruber go and fight other terrorists. Oh, my God. Because he's Gruber's got the know-how and John McClane's got the cop. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. 
Yeah, there's like, your song. And, That's a new buddy cop movie we all need. Hell yeah. yes. And then like at the end, there's this bright light, and Carl like rides in on a glowing white horse. <laughs> <laughs> He's now Carl the White. <laughs> he, he fought Al the Balrog. Oh my god. Uh, yep. That's just straight genius, but Come on, Ron Howard. We're we're available, man. Yeah, just, we're just, we're talented writers and up. actors. We'll do it cheap too. Absolutely. Seriously. We will. We'll do it for the exposure. <laughs> yeah, dude. You direct it. We'll we'll do it like twenty bucks. Exactly. Come on, Ron Howard. Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks in a 20 sandwich. Bucks, twenty bucks in a sandwich, Ron Howard. Come on, man. <laughs> we want shivers payment. Twenty dollars in lunch. That's what we want. But yeah, so now, okay, you get around to the fact that the Who's, and this is what's kind of funny to me. They they changed the story up a little bit in this way as well, where the Who's are obsessed with the commercialism, like Allie mentioned, and it's like Cindy Lou is fighting to remind them of the spirit of Christmas, whereas in the original, you don't have that. The Who's just, they don't need any convincing. They just wake up on Christmas, and they're a little shocked to find that they don't have any presents, and, you know, Santa didn't visit, but they don't care. They all have Christmas in their hearts, and they just start singing, around their Christmas tree. Right, yeah. Whereas in in this version, Cindy Lou's got to be like, no, this isn't what Christmas is about anyway. It doesn't matter that we don't have any gifts. And she turns the crowd around. But before that, they're all really Debbie Downers and just, oh, wow, the Grinch really just, he Godzilla'd all over the city and he stole all of our presents. Oh, yeah. no. And if they all hadn't been so ripped out of their minds, they might have woken <laughs> up and heard it. It's very possible. You the know? only ones who did wake up were Cindy Lou's parents. Yeah, and... I mean, it's car keys and a fishbowl and quaaludes, you know? <laughs> the quaaludes just kicked <laughs> yeah, in, Cindy man. Lou. <laughs> Christmas is what? Oh, it's in my heart, man. Yeah. It's in my heart. Yeah, three, Christ- three hours from now, they're going to be thinking something totally different. <laughs> Christmas is all around us. <laughs> Kill that mother. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a purple lightsaber if he's going to say that. No, no, he doesn't. Oh, okay. Fine. Because that dude just gets killed. What? Mace Windu. Oh, right. Purple lightsaber. He just gets killed. That's his whole job. <laughs> he's in his th- job is to die. He's in three movies so he can show up for one fight and get killed. I mean. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There's writing. <laughs> Wait, was Ray Park there? <laughs> Did he get cut in half? No, no, they got rid of Ray Park after the first one. That's lame. But they brought him back for Solo, though, so. Thank God. You know. The Headless Horseman in Star Wars. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, so now Cindy Lou's turned everybody around, and Molly Shannon starts making out with her dad super hard, uh, so that's a little awkward. Yeah, you know, I mean, these who's, I'm telling you, they have some messed up folks, you know. Because she's a superstar. Well, that's the thing about the Who, though. You know, I mean, they're always doing shit like this, throwing TVs out of windows, t- breaking guitars on. They're stage. the loudest band in the world. They are loudest band in the world, and also really love Christmas. Yep. You know? eh, who knew? That's their thing. They started their own little city on a snowflake. That's how ripped out and drugs I st- they I are. St- I still haven't figured out who is Roger Daltrey and who's Pete Townsend in this movie, though. <laughs> I mean, the the makeup must really be. You know, it's like they're deep in character. You know. Yeah, they, they didn't even want to be recognized or uh, given credit for these films. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's how yeah, invested they yeah, were. Oddly enough, the Who have completely distanced themselves from this movie. Oh, you know, believe it's, it or it's not, it's so odd that you know they don't play any of the music at their concerts. You know, nothing. What? It's yeah, it's like the Who. They don't play the Mr. Grinch song. Um, no, it's like the Who just pretend that this movie doesn't even exist. It's so strange. Wow. Yeah, that's just utter denial, is what that is. Yeah. So the movie is. Uh, it's pretty rapidly much rapidly spiraling yeah, to a close. It's come full circle. Um, so, you know, let's, let's talk about it. You know, we always, we always sort of wrap up these things with our discussion of, you know, um, Alpha Seinfeld, Seinfeld, you know, 
which, as we've said many times, is not a measure of quality. It's not, you know, a 10 on that scale doesn't mean it's great. It's a measure of how your perspective on the movie has changed. Right. I don't think my perspective on this movie has moved one little iota. I honestly don't think so either. Like, I feel the exact same about all the characters. So I, and a, a five is a solid score on this scale simply because, like you said, yeah. it didn't get any better. It didn't get any worse. Right. It still lives in the exact same part yeah. of the scale as Cit- it would have. Citizen Kane would get a five on this scale because Citizen Kane today is just as good as Citizen Kane was, you know, 30 years, 40 years ago, you know, whatever. Precisely. Yeah. So um, I think you and I are in agreement with that, on uh, Jason. So, Miss Allie, what are you going to rate How the Grinch Stole Christmas on the Alpha Seinfeld scale? I think a five makes sense. I would say a six, just because it gives you the warm fuzzies at the end. You walk away smiling. Your heart grows a little bit. It does. Not three sizes. I feel like that's a little excessive, but it's impossible to walk away from this movie and be in a grumpy mood. Yeah, I could see the nostalgia factor alone sort of bumping it up a little bit. Because when you're a kid, you don't have nostalgia, you know, so you do have that as as uh, a grown-up. So I could see that moving it up the scale a little bit to a six. Well, yeah, because as a kid, um, you have to have the initial wonderment and just being yeah. uh, being impressed and uh, just remembering the movie. That's what builds that nostalgia is, oh my goodness, I remember this crazy green character and such a wild concept for a kid to wrap their mind. He can steal Christmas? Is yeah. that a thing? Like, it's just, I remember thinking that I was, I, th- I think I asked one of my parents, I was like, how can you steal Christmas? And they're like, well, he can't, sweetheart. That's kind of the point of the story. And I was like, Oh, so yeah, it did. But you but, know. but he stole their damn gifts. Yeah, that was wildly uncool, <laughs> but, Jim. Yeah, he but but back. yeah, but but little boy or girl, Christmas was in your heart. Yeah, Christmas is in your heart. <laughs> I want the gift. You're a grown up. I'm a kid. We enjoy this holiday <laughs> yeah. for very different reasons. I don't think you get how this works. No, you provide the gifts. We receive the gifts. That's Christmas. That's how we roll. <laughs> Now, I do like that he is nicer to Max by the end of the story, and that happens. They they delve into that a little bit more in this Max version. is supernatural. <laughs> Max is. He's a, Max is the supernatural. I'm going to throw that, something. He's the spirit of something that, like, you know, has come back to... to that's it. Max is the antagonist. He changes the Grinch. Yep. No, in this case, that makes Cindy Lou the antagonist. Well, yeah, Cindy Lou's the antagonist. Yeah, she's you're, you're the one who changes right. the Grinch. He's the protagonist because yeah. he's the one with character arc who right. changes. So, and meanwhile, Max is a supernatural damn being because we can't Jiminy get through Cricket. a freaking yeah. episode without that theory. You're he's right. the Jiminy Cricket of this. He's the he is. the voice yeah, of reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When he, you he, wish upon a snowflake, I guess would be his version. Copyright Disney. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I changed it. Well, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's satire, so that's fair use. Yes. So w- I, I do want to just repeat, uh, Ron Howard. Come on, man. Uh, We're tw- available. Twenty bucks in a sandwich. That's all we need. I'm negotiable on the sandwich, dude. You can just give me whatever you got, like you know, in your fridge. <laughs> or Even if it's a jar of pickles, I don't care. It's, it's super random. It doesn't because if I got the if I got that, I would I would put it in a glass case with a brass plaque that says Ron Howard's pickles. <laughs> and I have it up in my wall. Tombstone <laughs> you know? moment. Yeah. I got Ron Howard's pickles. <laughs> God, I could carry. If I ever end up in his house somehow, I am stealing a jar of pickles. <laughs> Assuming he likes pickles. <laughs> Oh, he looks like a guy who likes pickles. He's probably got pretty good taste in it. He's probably got like expensive Whole Foods, you know, like like zesty pickles and stuff like that. Like they came from, you yeah. know, a faraway place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Artesian, handmade, Artesian pickles. <laughs> homemade, organic. In a jar that was woven out of yak hair. Yeah, free, free range pickles with no cages and 
Stuff like that. Yeah, don't cage your pickles. Don't cage your pickles, man. We're here to tell you, <laughs> hindsighters. That's what the that's what the Grinch is there to teach us. Yes. Don't cage your pickle. That's a new hashtag for this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hashtag don't cage your pickles. Don't cage your pickle. Never. All right. So on that wonderful note, uh, Allie, we would like to thank you for joining us in the studio today. It has been a blast speaking with you over yes, this it Christmas has. classic. So uh, do you want to say bye to the listeners? Bye. And thank you for joining us for another installment of our, our third installment of yeah. Christmas episodes. I remember now. Um, thank you, listeners, as always, for joining us for your drive time, your home time, your work time, whatever kind of time. We appreciate you, and we'll see you next time. This is Hindsight, and good night. Good night, everybody.